really hard to follow that. I mean, it's like angels singing. Um, just great. I just want to let you guys know that uh, at all the other churches that I have served at, uh, pretty much there was an unwritten rule that the youth minister does not speak in big church. So I suspect that that will be the new rule here after this morning. So um, in, all, in all seriousness, uh, I just need to tell you guys one thing. I am not a preacher. I do not have the gift of preaching. Um, but I do have something that God has laid on my heart that I want to share with you that is not, I don't think it's just going to help our graduates, but it's going to help all of us because it's something that God has taken 20 years of my life to teach me. Um, through some really talented pastors. There's a pastor at Ohio named Gary Delashmuk um, who talks a lot on this. There's a gentleman named Steve McVeigh who's written a book called Grace Walk. If you're writing notes, just write that down. Amazon, it's like $8. The book will change your life. Um, and there are other, other pastors as well, but um, it's just something that I think that a lot of Christians, we just miss. And so I think that you'll get something out of this morning. And, and then if you don't, Tom is going to pay me $20 to blame Don if you don't, so whatever. Um, I just want to ask you a question, and then we'll just jump into God's Word. We're going to be in Galatians chapter th- uh, chapter 5, and so if you want to get your Bible out and be ready for the, for the jump, you'll be ready for that. But would you ever like to just stop making bad choices? If you ever wonder why, why do I keep making bad choices? And it's not just bad choices, but I seem to keep making the same bad choices over and over and over, but I just can't seem to will myself to stop, or I can't seem to get out of it. Um, I just want to tell you this right now, that God wants to give you freedom from that. Um, he wants to give you freedom, not just from hell, but he wants to give you freedom uh, in this life, and he wants you to have freedom and have, have a, just a fantastic life. So last week, Tom read out of Second Timothy, and in our passage last week, Paul was writing Timothy to correct some errors that had begun to seep in to the teaching of the church. And that's essentially what Paul is doing in this letter as well. Um, This letter was written to a church in Galatia, which we don't have on our map today, but it's in Turkey, if you want to get your map out, is where it would be today. But there were some errors that were seeping in to their teaching as well, and so he's writing them to correct that. So um, one of the things that I really like about our church is that we stand for for God's word, and so I'm going to ask you to do that. You know, if somebody ever asks you, hey, what do you stand for? You can tell them, I stand for the word of God, um, mostly because Tom makes us, but <laughs> we're going to be in Galatians 5. We're going to start at 13 and go through 25, and I understand that this is in the middle of an argument, and it's a very complicated argument, and I would just want to encourage you guys um, this week, take some time and read the entire book of Galatians, and you'll get, you won't just be getting this part of it, you'll be getting the whole argument. It's six chapters, it'll take you 15 minutes, it'll be worth your time, I promise. Paul says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You guys can have a seat. Uh, again, we're in the middle of the letter, but uh, he's writing to this group of Christians, and here's what was going on in their church. Essentially, there was, a, there was a group in the church that was saying, if you want to be a part of Christ, if you want to be his follower, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want the eternal security that you can have in him, then you need to not just proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you need to do these other specific things. And what they were specifically saying in this case was you need to do all of the Jewish laws found in the Old Testament as well. And only by living your life doing the Jewish laws and also proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be made right with God. And Paul, Paul says, that is, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, literally, there are times like because we miss stuff in translation of God's word. Uh, where Paul just says stuff like, who has bewitched you? Which is what he says in Galatians 3.1. You know, he's like, who, is, who has cast a spell over you? Or there's another part in Romans where he says, by no means. And really, he's just like, uh-uh, no, what are you doing? Um, and so he comes, the language is really strong here. Because what they were saying is that you need to do these other things to be made right with God. And while we don't necessarily go to people and say, like, you need to eat, like, you know, a kosher diet... Um, today, I think a lot of Christians have this mindset that I need to be doing certain things, otherwise God will think less of me. And the reality is, guys, is that Paul says that our standing with God has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with you. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. We are made right with God because of Christ. And that is what the whole first part of the book is. See, there's this doctrine that, that comes in there, and I just like to call it gospel plus, because we say Jesus, his death on the cross has made you right with God, but you also got to do this stuff, and we like to add stuff onto it, and God sent Jesus to die in our place to free us from that, to give us freedom from the law, that we are made accountable and right with God because of Jesus, and that's what Paul was writing about. The other thing that he came to do is he came to give us freedom from ourselves, and that's where some of this dialogue today where he talks about walking in the spirit. And that essentially means is that you as a believer, when you decide to follow Christ, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And that's a, you know, a fun word to talk about. But what does that really mean? Well, what it means is that the spirit will come into your life and, uh, and certain things will start to happen to you. Um, the Holy Spirit in your life makes the Bible come alive. You won't necessarily understand everything that's going on in God's word. But it will start to make sense to you. And you'll think, like, wow, that's something that I can do in my own life right now. It starts becoming relevant to you. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives you de a desire to share Jesus with other people and to defend your faith. The Holy Spirit um, sensitizes your conscience. You'll still sin, but it wasn't near as enjoyable as it used to be. Uh, the Holy Spirit will deliver you from destructive habits. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to love in specific ways. 
you may just, you know what, I really need to call somebody. And you give them a call and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. This is how the Holy Spirit leads us. He may lead you early, uh, later in the service to come forward and pray for somebody that you may or may not know. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps you pour out your heart to God. The Holy Spirit um, gives you a special bond with other Christians. The Holy Spirit gives you peace and hope in spite of your own circumstances. And the Holy Spirit gives you gifts to love God in specific ways. Tom talked about this last week, uh, about how when you become one with God and he sends his spirit inside of you, that he gives you the ability to serve other people uh, in a way that only you can. And so how do you get the Holy Spirit? Well, quite simply, you just have to give control of your life over to Jesus. Say, I can't do this. I need you to do this for me. Jesus, make me right with God. And when you um, recognize where you are with God and where you will be when um, you put Jesus in that elevated place in your life, then the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to you. And so that's really all that you need to do. Now, a lot of times in churches, we like to make a, 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 a thing about it where we need to pray or something like that. But the reality is Romans 10, 13 says that those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And so this is something you can do right now in your chair. Just stop listening to me. I promise you, you don't need to hear anything I say. You just do business with God right there in your seat. And later on, if you've got questions about that or you want to come and make that decision public, there'll be a time at the end of our service where Tom and Don will be up here and you can come talk and share with one of them. But that's how you get the Holy Spirit is you say, Jesus is my Lord and Jesus is my Savior. That may be all well and good, but... Paul was talking about the Holy Spirit to believers because the church at Galatia was made up of believers. And so he, he just kind of drives home this point that I want us to understand this morning, that you have more of the Holy Spirit in your life the more you consistently depend on Jesus. And the opposite of that is also true. The less you rely on Jesus and the less you depend on Jesus, the less you will see the Spirit working in your life. So let's bring it down to earth, Okay. There's essentially two freedoms that God wants to grant. He wants to grant you freedom from the law, which he's done in Jesus. But he also wants to give you freedom from you. And the word the Bible uses to describe you, us, me, my own decisions in this a lot, uh, is the term the flesh. Okay, and what, what that basically means is um, not having been completely renewed in Christ, I still have this pull of sin nature. And so what does that look like? How's that played out in my life? Well, there's just a few things I want you to know is the flesh, first of all, it craves attention, all right? And this is the big thing that Paul was trying to combat in the church was that not, the flesh desires to put itself first and foremost above all else. So it has pity parties. It likes to brag. It likes to um, say, hey, I'm the best. And one of the worst ways that the flesh elevates yourself is that it says that I need to do something to make me right with God. God doesn't make me right with God. It's because I do these things. Now I am right with God. That is, that is directly that gospel plus mentality that Paul is speaking against. And so like the self-talk here that you'll hear yourself say if you're, if you're walking in the flesh, so to speak, it would be, um, I'm not getting the attention or the appreciation that I deserve. Uh, the flesh also craves its own pleasure above everything else. And so it seeks comfort. It seeks a life of ease. It seeks sexual gratification. And it says, you know what? A little fantasy is not going to hurt because it's just in my mind. The flesh also punishes those that oppose you, all right? Um, you have uh, tantrums and give people the silent treatment or the slanty eye. You guys know about slanty eye? 
Yeah. And kind of the self the self talk about about the flesh is the next time she says that, I'm going to be ready. That's that's like the talk of the flesh. Uh, the flesh seeks to justify itself before God. God, uh, hey, you know what? I do bad things, but at least I'm not as bad as those people over there. Or worse, the flesh is like, well, I'm so terrible, God could never love me. These are ways that the flesh tries to elevate you, put you at the center. And the last thing is the flesh craves um, stuff. It just wants to acquire stuff. Um, it's never content. It equates possessions with worth. Um, the self, the self-talk would be like, I can't believe that they have that. I should have that. Um, so that's kind of how you recognize what the flesh is. It's easier to define it that way than to actually try to define it. And so then the opposite is, what is the spirit? And it's again, you just let the spirit um, move through you. In in five, five sixteen, Paul hits the nail on the head, and I'm just going to hit that real fast, but. Um, basically being led by the Spirit is this. It is not, because what so many Christians think that 5.16 says is it is not stop sinning and then you'll walk with the Spirit. 5.16 says walk in the Spirit and then you will not satisfy the desires of your flesh. Because guys, it's not about you. You're not going to be able to say no to the flesh on your own strength. You're just not. Because that's just you giving yourself like more walking away from God because why do I need God? Because I don't need God to live a righteous life. I can live a righteous life. And it's like, that's the, it's just a circle. You get it. Circles around, right? Jake, I'm doing it for you right now. We're talking about circles. Okay, good. Um, I, I spend, I've spent the last 20 years of my life talking, trying to communicate the truth of God's word to middle school students. And so sometimes we just, we chase rabbits or dinosaurs or robots or something. Anyway, just don't, just bear with me, ignore it. Um, let's just hit the point home right now. Um, walk, in the, walk in the spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. So tap into that. Say, God, I'm going to choose to walk in the spirit so that I don't keep making these mistakes in my life, that I don't have the attitude of the flesh. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you live by the spirit? How do you walk in the spirit? Well, in Romans, Paul tells us in chapter 8, 5 um, through 7, he says this, Those that are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to a life in peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. So how you walk in the Spirit is you choose to set your mind on the things of God. Now, how do you do that? Well, you want to think about some certain things. We talked about what the flesh thinks about. Here's some things that the spirit thinks about. Um, God wants to bless you freely, um, not based on anything that you've done, but because he loves you. You think about how um, God has um, completely forgiven you despite the magnitude of your sin, and you're grateful to him for that. You, uh, you think about not comparing yourselves to other people, but just to see where God has put you in the situation in life that you're in, and that maybe in spite of the circumstances that you're in right now, that it doesn't make sense to trust God, but you're going to do it anyway. These are ways that we set our mind on the Holy Spirit. Later on in chapter 6, as, as Paul keeps reading, because we just kind of stopped in the middle of a thought, he's like, here's how you 
here's how you sow the seeds of the Spirit so that the Spirit grows fruit in your life. And he talks about that. But it's basically the stuff that a lot of people go, that's what you need to do for God to accept you. And Paul's like, you don't do it for God's acceptance. You do it so that you can walk in the Spirit. And it's, you read your Bible. You spend time with God in prayer. You meditate on His Word. You hide it in your heart. Um, you have genuine Christian fellowship. Not real superficial stuff, but we're, I mean, you've got people that you can say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Let me be honest with you. I just need people to pray with me. And then just an attitude of servanthood. You don't see yourself better than anybody else. How can, I, how can we help each other take care of each other? Um, and so how do you know? Here's like the gut check, the litmus test, whatever. How do you know which side you're on? How do you know if you're walking in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit? Well, Paul says, he says basically this. Look at your life. In, in 519 through 23, he says, you're going to produce fruit. The fruit of your life is going to be in the flesh or it's going to be in the spirit. And so the flesh produces one, cravings that rule you. It says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and greed. Uh, the flesh produces religious confusion. Uh, you worship other things. You may seek other religious avenues to get what you want. Um, like witchcraft. I hate that person so much. I want them gone. I'm going to go get a witch doctor. Um, anybody been there before? Okay, I'm the only one. All right. Um, good news. You also have relational chaos. If you walk in the flesh, uh, he, and he talks about this, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, envy, these are the results of the flesh. Because if you're with God, the biggest thing that's going to drive your life is love. You're going to love other people. Lack of self-control, I mean drunkenness, orgies, and he says other sins like these, that's the fruit of the flesh. But then Paul says, if you walk in the spirit, you produce the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the things that people who abide in Christ, the vine of Christ, these are the fruits that they produce. And so I just want to remind you today to stop trying to stop sinning so that God will like you. God already likes you. I know we're pretty tight. He does. He loves you a lot. So stop trying to just stop sinning start walking with Jesus. Walk with the Spirit, and you'll have good fruit in your life. Ask yourself the hard questions. Um, which, which fruit am I producing? Am I producing fruit of the Spirit, or am I producing fruit of the flesh? And if you really want to be honest, you won't ask yourself. You'll go ask your boss, or your neighbor, your spouse. Say, hey, where am I at? Because God wants to deal with us where we're at. So I want you to think about those things, and if God moves in your heart this morning, um, I do want you to give you the freedom to come and talk to Tom or Don or myself here in just a minute. Um, but right now, we need to do something a little special. Um, in in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us that we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so there's, there's several of us among us who have a pretty big deal happening um, right now in their lives. And that they have, they have finished uh, high school. And so we want to we honor them and we want to rejoice with them. And a lot of you guys, you got, the, you got the word, you know, and you turned stuff into me. And there may be some people in this room who you're like, hey, I'm a senior, but I didn't get you my stuff. And my name's not in the bulletin. Like, forget all that, okay? That's on me. That's because I didn't get to you, all right? So blame me. But I want you to come forward and be honored with the rest of our graduates this morning. So we're going we're gonna to watch a brief video that's just going to show you everybody, uh, both in this service and in the early service, 
uh, who are graduating from our church and why they're doing that. Um, graduates, you guys, you guys come forward, and then Tom and I are going to say a few words to you. So y'all come right now. Video, one, two, three, go. Well, I just want to say a few words to our graduates. Um, I'm just very grateful for them. Uh, it would have been very easy for them to just check out the last six months, um, but they didn't. And uh, I got to know them just a little bit. And uh, you guys, I'm just really grateful uh, for your friendship, for your leadership, uh, for all of that. You made the first six months super easy. Um, you're the best. I wish we had more time, but we don't. But, uh, <laughs> um, but because I wanted to, I want to say thanks to you. I gave you guys a book. It's called Thriving in College. It has the some really good things about don't let go of your faith in college, but also just some real practical advice in there, like maybe how do you live with a roommate? Some of you guys have mev- never had to share a room before. Well, you're getting ready to, you know. Uh, so it's like just some practical good advice in there. The other thing that I wanted to do is uh, I called uh, Mark this week and I asked him to share a few words. And because it feels like all that I've done this morning is talk, I've asked Tom to read um, Mark's words to you guys. So, Tom, I'm going to give you the microphone. 
We on? There we go. Young people, I want you to know how proud I am and how proud our church is of you. For many of you, I've had the honor of watching you grow for a lot of years. Some of you pretty recently. But I'll tell you what I've learned. I've learned that this young generation is a great generation. And I want you to know that. And as you leave the, the boundaries of mom and dad, I want you to know that you're great kids and you're going to become great adults. One of the things that I love so much about your age and that few years above you is that you realize that nothing's going to be given to you except Jesus. Everything else is going to require you to put in some sacrifice, to put in some hard work, to be people of honesty and integrity. Your mom and dads have taught you that. We hope that Indian Springs and our teachers who have invested so much in your life have taught you that. And on behalf of them, I want you to know how proud I am of you. I want you to know that you're going to be missed. You really are. Because every Sunday, an old gray-headed preacher stands up and looks, and there's a group of young people laughing and smiling and worshiping and listening. And I want you to know that means a lot to me, and it means a lot to our family. Okay. Now, I know you're going to be gone, but I think you should come back every weekend okay, <laughs> to be with us anyway. Okay. I want to give you one little word of, of encouragement. Okay. As you get out from underneath the boundaries of mom and dad and maybe even your church, you may feel some freedom that you've never felt before. What I want you to know is this. The greatest thing going today, the greatest thing today, is the church of Jesus Christ. Right. We are the bride of Christ. And it's easy sometimes when you get out from underneath some of the boundaries to forget that. I want to encourage you, don't wait till you're 30 years old like I was to realize the importance of church. I wish, I, I just, I wish that in my 20s, when I was young like y'all, I wish I'd have realized how much Jesus loved the church mm. and how Jesus sacrificed for the church and how he's preparing to come back one day for the church. The church is important. And they say young people leave and they forget about the church. Well, you might for a while, but one day, you're going to remember how important the church is. Just don't wait as long as I did. Okay, I always feel like I'm catching up. Wherever it is you go, wherever church you end up in, give it your all because she's worthy. She's worthy of the blood. That means she's worthy of your best. Okay. Well, you have a guy in Ohio who loves you. Okay. And I'm so thankful that, that Kyle and Mark have a great relationship and Kyle wanted Mark to do this. I think that speaks of our student pastor's integrity. So I'm going to read you something from O'Cox. Okay? He said, hey, guys, congratulations on graduating. Christy and I are so proud of you, and as each of you head your own way, we pray that you would remember what is most important about this life, staying close to Jesus. Hmm. We have been thinking about you guys, reflecting on all that you've experienced leading up to this point. Each one of you have experienced tough times, 
And God has been there through it all. He carried you when you didn't have the strength to walk, and he has gifted you to walk in your strengths. Don't you dare forget that he will walk with you through this next season as well. We hope and pray that you'll continue to look to him as you enter the new season. Please know that Christy and I are so proud of you and miss you very much. We wish we could have been there to celebrate with you, but hopefully we can do that sometime very soon. Love you guys. Congratulations. That's from Mark and Cindy. Let's pray together, and then Kyle's going to come, and we're going to have a church prayer. Father, in the name of Christ, I thank you for these young men and these young ladies. I thank you for a mother and a dad that has a heart for you and a heart for their kids. And God, they don't know the joy that they have brought to a faith family. I don't think they, they may be older one day when they realize this was really a good time, a great Christ-honoring time. And we celebrate with them, Lord, uh, their graduation. And there's a part of our heart that, that doesn't want them to leave because of the joy and the excitement and the energy that they bring to their church. But God, as time marches on, as it happens to all of us, they'll begin to filter out somewhere in this great world. And God, I pray that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine so brightly and radiate so brightly out of their life that others will wonder what drives them and be interested in the Savior that saved them. God, may you bless them. Be with mom and dad. That's not easy for them either. But God, we give you honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.